بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد الحمد لله tonight is the ninth of February in the year 2024 Alhamdulillah the 29th night of the sacred month of Rajab so possibly it could be the last night so we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he blesses us in our months of Rajab and Sha'aban and conveys safely to the holy month of Ramadan and we moved on to the second week the eighth night that we're going through the illustrious life of the noble companion Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As so after giving a brief of this noble man's family let us now return to the blessed man himself so let's discuss his venerable age so Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani Rahmatullah he said in Al-Isaba, page 550 of the New English Translation, his agnamen were Abu Abdullah and Abu Muhammad. Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, he used to say, I remember the night Umar ibn al-Khattab was born. I remember the night Umar ibn al-Khattab was born. So here, the great Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, he said that Amr was certainly older than Umr, because on his own testification, he remembered the night he was born, meaning he was certainly of an age of discernment. Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani later had said, Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, he passed away 20 years after the death of Umar ibn al-Khattab at the age of 99 years. This is recorded in Al-Isaba, page 555 of the New English Translation. So he goes on to mention that he was born before Umar. He was older than Umar, but he lived on after Umar two decades. And he mentioned his age. He was 99 when he passed away. So from these figures, a simple calculation can determine his age. Sayyidina Amr, he was those 79 years of age upon Umar, who's tragic passing. Why? Because if he was 99 upon his passing, and he passed away 20 years after Umar. That means that he was 20 years you add and you get to 79 uh, years. Thus he was 16 years of age upon Umar radiyallahu's birth. I for Umar radiyallahu passed away at the age of 63. So if Umar radiyallahu passed away at the age of 63, and he lived on 20 years after him. That would make, make him 83 if he was Umar's age, but he was 99. So therefore the calculation makes him 16 years of age 
when Umar was born. We can also determine that Sayyidina Amr was thus born 56 years before the Hijrah, i.e. 43 H minus 99 equals 56 BH before Hijrah. So he was born 56 years before the Hijrah. So what does that mean? Putting it into perspective. Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As was thus three years older than our beloved messenger who graced the world 53 years before the Hijrah. So our beloved messenger was born in the famous year of the elephant. So with this we realize Amr is three years older than even Rasulullah Thus, this makes Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As five years older than Abu Bakr radiyallahu. Sixteen years older than Umar radiyallahu. Nine years older than Uthman radiyallahu. And thirty-three years older than Ali radiyallahu. For Amr radiyallahu was ninety-six years of age when Ali was martyred. So simply put, though Sayyidina Amr who was older than each of these exalted and majestic souls, he nevertheless outlived all of them. So think about that. He's older than Rasulullah He's older than the Khilafah Rashidin. And yet, despite being older than them, he lived on after them. So this is a, something certainly worth pointing out. So note his age. Now, why is this important to highlight? Because if you don't put him in the correct age bracket, you could make serious errors <laughs> when you go further on into his life. <laughs> so, subhanAllah, just as this noble man was blessed with a long and venerable age, he was also blessed with great sagacity. Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As himself, he said, Radiyallahu, I have memorized 1,000 Amthal from Rasulullah I have memorized 1,000 Amthal from Rasulullah Amthal are similitudes or proverbs. So where is this recorded? So this is recorded in Ahmad in his Musnad number 17,350 or 4-203. Ibn Lahia is within the chain and he has been commented upon. al hatami in Majma' al-Zawaid, volume 8, page 264, stated Hassan, Al-Bidayah in the chapter on those who passed away in the year 43 AH, Ma'rif al-Quran, volume 6, page 696 of the English translation, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 812 of the New English translation. So in terms of authenticity, Hafiz al hatami said, it's, it's sound. But, there's a slightly weak narrator within the chain, very famous, called Ibn Lahia. Many scholars have said he sounds, some say he's slight weakness. Whatever the case, it's to do with virtue and there's no problem. So Amr radiallahu said, I have memorized 1,000 similitudes from Rasulullah. I think about that. To learn just 10 would be an achievement. He's learned 1,000 from the Prophet So what does that tell you about his sagacity? Imam Sha'abi, he said, 
Al-Qudad were four in number. Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Sayyidina Umar, Sayyidina Ibn Mas'ud, and Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ashri, radiyallahu ta'ala Al-Duhat were also four in number. Sayyidina Muawiyah, Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, Sayyidina Mughira ibn Shu'bah, and Ziyad, radiyallahu ta'ala this is recorded in Ibn Kathir Sira, volume 4, page 478 of the English translation. So what do these terms mean? So Imam Sha'abi, one of the senior tabi'een from Kufa, rahmatullah he said, Al-Qudat, these mean the judges, those who were expert in judging. Because there were four. Abu Bakr, Umar, the two sheikhs, Ibn Masood, whose life we've recently been through, and Abu Musa al-Ashr, because these were the great judges. Then he said, Al-Duhat. What does this mean? It, it literally translates, those who are more shrewd, i.e. those who have great you know, foresight. There were four. Sayyidina Muawiyah, Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, Sayyidina Mughira, and Ziyad. So now we learn something else. He was known for his, his, in his cunning and his shrewdness. Imam Zuhri, he said, Rahmatullah, Al-Duhat, the most shrewd, were five in number. Sayyidina Ali, Sayyidina Qais ibn Sa'ad ibn Ubad, Sayyidina Muawiyah, Sayyidina Amr, and Sayyidina Mughira, radiyallahu ta'ala this is recorded in Ibn Kathir Sira, volume 4, page 478 of the English translation. So Imam Zuhri, another senior tabi'in, rahmatullah Abu Bakr ibn Shahab al-Zuhri, he said the shrewd were five, and his names differ. He goes, Ali, Amir al-Mu'mineen, Qais ibn Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, who was his right-hand man during his khilafat, Muawiyah, and not again, Amr. So in both, Sha'abi's account and Imam Zuhri, Amr and Muawiyah are within them. They're the most shrewd. And Mughira, who was also known for his shrewdness. So note, he lived a venerable long life and he was known for his deep foresight and understanding. So let's now turn to his blessed life. Sayyidina Amr radiyallahu's life during the Makkan phase of the Prophethood. Sayyidina Amr, radiyallahu, despite his sagacity, unlike his noble younger brother, Sayyidina Hisham, radiyallahu, was one of those who embraced Islam two decades after our beloved messenger's proclamation. So he delayed a great deal. So not just 10 years, around 20 years after the Prophet proclaimed the message, he embraced Islam. So like I mentioned, one reason you can give for this is his father. Al-As ibn Iwai, because obviously you have to look up to your father. But you can counter that by saying Hisham did it. Hisham embraced Islam. But Amr was the eldest, so maybe there was further pressure upon him. Indeed, before his conversion, he followed his ill-fated father in being one of those who wholeheartedly opposed the truth. Consider his own words. I was initially stubbornly opposed to Islam. 
I was present at Badr with the polytheists and escaped. Then I was present at Uhud and escaped. Finally, I was present at Khandaq and escaped. This is in Behaki, Ibn Kathir Sila, volume 3, page 320 of the English translation. So he himself said, I was stubbornly opposed to Islam. But if you look at his wording, this shows that he was very shrewd. He very subtly said something. Did you detect it? So on the face, what did he say? I was stubborn against uh, Islam. Okay. And so he was a brother. Yes. I escaped. Yes. So I escaped. Yes. It was a khanda. I escaped. Okay. So what's he doing very subtly? Many people miss it. It looks like you're three of them. This shows he's very, you know, he's very subtle in these wordings as well. No, that's the obvious. He's mentioned something very subtle. And if you reflect upon it, it is a strange thing he said. And he was present in all the battles? No? That's straightforward. Which battle did the unbelievers win? What did he say? Escape. Why would you escape if you won? See, note, you know, you're listening, you know, you got to listen very carefully to what he's saying. You easily missed. You think, oh, yeah, he was present. He didn't say that. How would you describe a victory when you say you've escaped? It is interesting to note that despite the unbelievers being victorious at Uhud, he still described it as an escape. Those clearly indicating a shift within his blessed self at the time. As if he was indicating he had escaped eternal damnation by being responsible for the potential martyrdom of our beloved messenger. So note, this is why you know, when, he, when he speaks, you have to really listen to what he's saying. But he's honest. He's telling you the truth. Because I was stubborn. In fact, <laughs> he was a padri on the long side. Right? But obviously, you know, he wasn't proud of that fact. Indeed, during the early Makkan phase of the Prophethood, Sayyidina Amr, he would later recollect with tears in his blessed eyes how our beloved Messenger would be persecuted in those earliest of days. So these reports which I'm going to mention, they're famous. But who's narrating it? In Sayyid Bukhari, Al-Bidaya, volume 3, page 46. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 455-6 of the New English Translation. Urwa, rahmatullah, he once asked Amr radiyallahu, blessed son, Abdullah radiyallahu, what was the worst thing that the polyest did to Rasulullah? So Abdullah ibn Amr radiyallahu, he said, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was once offering salah in the hatim of the Kaaba. Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id came and placed a cloth around his blessed neck and then started throttling Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam severely. So stop in the report. So a senior tabi'in Urwa, he's asking Amr son, Abdullah ibn Amr, who was an eyewitness to this, 
What's the worst thing you saw the kuffar do to the Prophet And he said, he goes, Rasulullah he was offering salat in the hatim of the Kaaba. So where's the hatim? Okay. So what's significant about the hatim? Inside the Kaaba. So you would have expected them to respect, you know, not surely disrespect to anybody who's inside the Kaaba. Did they show respect? Rasulullah is praying within the hatim and this shaitan, Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id, he put a cloth around his neck and started throttling the Prophet severely. Abu Bakr thereupon arrived and grabbing Uqba by the shoulders, he pushed him away from Rasulullah. Abu Bakr thereupon recited the following verse of the Quran Surah Al Ghafir, Surah 40, verse 28. أَتَقْتُلُونَ رَجُلًا يَقُولَ رَبِّيَ اللَّهُ وَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بِالْبَيَّنَاتِ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ Will you slay a man simply because he says My Lord is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he has indeed come to you with clear signs from your Lord. Surah Al-Ghafir, Surah 40, verse 28. So let's look at this. So, according to Abdullah ibn Amr, this was the most vicious attack on the Prophet And Abu Bakr saved the Prophet And he recited a verse. And what's interesting, the verse wasn't revealed for that incident. This is actually talking about the Siddiq in the Pharaoh's cabinet. Who was protecting Musa So Abu Bakr, he's quoting that passage where the Siddiq of Musa time, what did he say? Will you slay a man only because he says, My Lord is Allah, when he has indeed come to you with clear signs from your Lord? So why did Abu Bakr recite that? Because he knew. The Quran infuriated them. And immediately he quoted the relevant passage. So now, if you look at this report, we don't have the full details. This flawless report is silent as to why this was described as the worst thing the unbelievers had attempted upon our beloved messenger. So, obviously, it was a serious attack. But then you could argue, what about in Uhud, when he was almost killed, or a Taif? So you have to look at other reports which add details. Those on another occasion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr had given more details in which he started by describing an incident which had occurred one day before the above tragic incident. So what's the problem? The problem here is you haven't got the timeline. So the previous report, which I've just mentioned, is one day into the future. You have to go back one day before that incident. So let's go back one day. What happened the day before? So Abdullah ibn Amr, he said, I was once with a group of leaders of the Quraysh who were gathered in the Hatim 
they were saying to each other, we have never had to tolerate so much as we have tolerated from this man. He has made us fools of our intelligent ones. He has insulted our fathers, found fault with our religion, disunited our people and abused our gods. We have indeed tolerated him to a great extent. As they were speaking like this, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alight, walked up to the black stone aye, to begin his tawaf. He then passed by the gathering whilst performing tawaf around the Kaaba. So stop in the report. So this is the day before that violent attack. What is happening? Who is now in the hadith? Yes, look how interesting. So this obviously you'd expect that they would consider it an honor to sit in the hadith. This time they're sitting there. So they're talking about the Prophet and they're basically saying he's made us look like fools. He's insulted our fathers, our religion. He's disunited us, abused our gods. He's, how long are we going to tolerate? As they're talking like this, Rasulullah has arrived and he's doing tawaf. As he passed by them, they poked fun at him with the things they said. I noticed from the face of Rasulullah that he felt offended. So who's one of them? Abdullah ibn Amr. He's on there. And he goes, they said some things to him. And I noticed that he was doing tawaf and it affected him. Then when he passed by them a second time, they again poked fun at him. I again noticed that he felt offended. Yet again, he continued without responding. So how long does it take to do a circuit? You know, maybe a couple of minutes or even less. So when he comes down again, they taunt him again. Abdullah ibn Amr said, I noticed he was offended. He didn't say anything. However, when they repeated themselves a third time, he finally responded. He goes, hearken, O assembly of Quraysh. I swear by the being who controls the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that I have come to slaughter you. This statement thereupon took such a grip on their hearts that each of them was stunned motionless. Indeed, even the person who had been most harsh towards Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, just a few moments before, now meekly uttered the best words that he could muster. And he said, O Abu Qasim, please proceed in peace. Indeed, you have never been one to make such foolish statements. He thereupon left them after completing his tawaf. So this is the strange nature of the unbelieving Quraysh. They're provoking him. He's ignoring them. The third time, he swore an oath. I have come to slaughter you. Now what's amazing about this? This is a prophecy. If it didn't happen, then why did he make an oath? Nothing happened. We know that this was talking about the future, the battle of Badr. Because I'm going to slaughter you. And look at their state. Now if they truly believed he was an imposter, he was a liar, they would have contested that. Did they contest it? They stood silently in shock. 
Why are you shocked? He's a false prophet. If Mirza Ghulam Ahmed says Sumer, I'll spit on him. I'm not going to start getting in shock. He's a liar. So why are they going to be shocked? Show us the best stuff. And then, not only were they in shock, the most violent in his words, he said, Abu Qasim, go in peace. Because you never make such foolish statements in the world. Why did you make that statement? So he continued this talk. Abdullah ibn Amr continued, I was again with them the following day. Now this is the day. When they gathered in the Hadim, this time they said to each other, you have mentioned the hardships you have given him and the problems he has given to us. But when in reply he told you something you did not like, you left him alone. Though something now needs to be done to readdress this. So what happened? Their pride kicked in. He goes, he's here again. He goes, we got humiliated yesterday. He goes, we need to do something to make amends. Rasulullah arrived as they were busy discussing. And this time they all confronted him together. So all in one, we don't know how many they were. They all in one surrounded him. And they asked, are you the one who said such and such about our gods and religion? The Prophet replied, undaunted, indeed, it was certainly I who said this. I then saw one of them grab hold of Rasulullah's collar. And Abu Bakr thereupon stood up in his defense and with tears in his eyes he recited Surah 40 verse 28. Will you kill a man because he says my Lord is Allah? Upon this, they left Rasulullah alone. This was the worst I had seen the Quraysh behave against Rasulullah. So this is recorded in Ahmed in his Musnad, Behaki, Al-Bidaya, volume 3, page 46, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 6, page 16, comments upon the chain of narrators, Ayada Sahaba, volume 1, page 4, 5, 7 to 8 of the New English Translation. So this is called fiqh of sirat. The problem is we don't even study sirat. No point discussing the fiqh of it. Right? We don't even know these incidents. But those who read the sirat, even they get confused sometimes. Because how is that the most severest attack on the Prophet Because you haven't got the fiqh. You don't know what led up to that. And then Abu Bakr noticed he was there always shadowing the Prophet And he saved him. And Abdullah ibn Amr said, this was the worst I had seen the Quraysh behave with Rasulullah So now, who is the one narrating this? These two incidents. The son of, the son of Amr. Abdullah ibn Amr. And he's with the Quraysh. So that means that at this time, he's probably not embraced Islam. Otherwise, what's he doing with the chiefs of the Quraysh? The other thing which is very important to highlight why is he with the chiefs of the Quraysh? Isn't he a youngster? Yes, he is, but because of his, maybe he's far because of the father. Okay. But is he a youngster? This is why you need to know the ages. No, no, he's not because he's 20 years older than... Uh, so no, he's, he's not a youngster. Okay. So this is probably the fifth or sixth year of prophethood. So Rasulullah is about 45, give or take. 
How old is Umar? Forty-eight. Yes. Okay, forty-eight. Is that three? His son is narrating this. What was the age gap between father and son? So you expect, you know, about twenty years or maybe even more. There was a ten-year gap. He was ten years old when he was the father of his son. So how old is his son? So this is why I'm telling you, you know, you don't know the ages. You know, you're the reading Abdullah ibn Abbas is a little, you know, youngster with the chiefs of the Quraysh. Maybe he, you know, he's an apprentice. You can see your head examined, right? He's, he's an elder. But the ages help to explain. And he's with them and he's describing. He goes, look, and notice when he's describing, was he actually part of the attack? No. He's clearly, you know, separating himself but well, he's narrating, he's saying, look, this is what I believe to be the worst assault on the Prophet And this was Abdullah ibn Amr, the son of Amr, who was the greatest of the family members. And inshallah, tomorrow I will mention the venerable father. He also described this event. But he added details to get the bigger picture. So all I mentioned today was basically now starting in earnest the life of Sayyidina Amr we mentioned his age very important to mention how old he was so we get an idea of what's happening in the seerat of the Prophet and the startling fight he was older than Rasulullah those being older than all those who succeeded him and yet he outlived them all and then I mentioned he was Ad-Duhat the most shrewd one of the four shrewd ones and then I mentioned now where his name is mentioned in the early Makkah period are there any questions? Subhanahu wa bihamdi is barak Allahumma wa bihamdika ashtulai laqa illa anta astaghfirika wa tubalaika 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 wa